What is up, Dave? <laughs> Not a whole lot. <laughs> that's fun that we got the same. We got the same name. It's that's very annihilation of us. We got some sort of duality uh, uh, cloning going on here. Yeah, yeah. I Dave. Entirely sure what was going on at the end, but I, I'm going to tell you this up top. I would like to say before we even get into the meat, I absolutely loved the shit out of this movie, and I saw a bunch of people online liking it, but I don't trust anybody because I think we're probably all friends with Jeff Vanderbeer on uh, Facebook, and it's kind of one of those things where if you didn't like it, it's kind of like ah, he's like right there in the room. Do I want right. yeah. to? I want to like take a shit, but luckily I don't have to be conflicted about it because I I loved it. Well, I think that's the burden of it is the dude's got like a nice yard and he feeds all these animals. He's like a, a Svengali of the animal kingdom. So Seems like, like a genuinely nice l- dude, you know. He does. He deserves to have a win, mm-hmm. uh, but we should back up a little bit, dude. You're fucked up, right? Like I don't want to. I don't want to bury the lead here. You're <clears throat> you. We sent you in there. Yeah. Fucked up on mushrooms. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I also knew that we were going to be podcasting, so I actually uh, took them before I went to the gym. Uh, and then I went to the gym and, and got a, got them real real circle. Wait, hold on. I just want to say I just want to say up top uh, for any government officials that might be listening. Uh, this is all a lie. None of this is true. Um, and I also want to say to people who get because sometimes people get a little. Um, you know, sensitive about this kind of stuff. But as someone who respects and loves the blessed mushroom, <laughs> I, I want to say that what I did should only be attempted by burnt out podcasters, uh, like narcissistic man children <laughs> that are, you know, like frightened of the world's judgment, but craving it through the creation of whatever this is, I guess, clickbait content. Or if you're just a really fucking cool guy like me. Okay, well, that's now. I was gonna say earlier that I I can't discern any difference with you fucked up or not fucked up, but then you just gave that long ass disclaimer, which I've never heard you do before. Yeah. So I I think that might be part of you being fucked up means that you cover your bases a little better. That's a yeah. weird. That's a weird development. Well, you it's start you start thinking up. you start thinking about stuff. You know, like you start. <laughs> Well, because like when I was walking into the movie theater, I got kind of distracted by some rocks that were nearby, <laughs> and I was kind of like towing the rocks and like sort of kicking them into the into this island in the parking lot. And there was an older couple that was walking by. I don't think they, I don't think they cared, you know. But you kind of you get in your head a little bit, you know. So luckily, uh, I went in. I tried Coke Zero for the first time, uh, which was. Okay, I guess. I mean, it just tastes kind of like Coke to me. So this uh, is a whole a whole day of firsts, maybe. We got yeah. the you had a weird psychedelic workout. Yeah, Coke, Coke Zero for the first time, and then yeah, annihilation on mushrooms. Right now, I I have a I prepared a debriefing for you. I figured okay, let let's try to emulate the movie where they debrief that uh, the scientist Natalie Portman. Yes, the guy it's like in the hazmat suit. So I thought, well, what's the should best we, way? To- should we talk about like what the movie's about, or is is this pretty much a podcast for people who've already seen it? This is this is like spoiler. Oh, I, I have yeah yeah. I have a lot of questions that I'm going to ask okay. you. Um, first, I I thought it might be fun to um, ask you some specific questions, and this is from a. I found this list of debriefing questions from a team building exercise. Oh, that's awesome! Cool. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Yeah. And and I'm going to kind of. I was I was thinking maybe I should do it like does it does this sound like I'm in a in a hazmat suit? <laughs> okay, so question question one. How do you how did you feel during this activity? Um, well, at first uh, when I got into the theater, I got really cold. Um, there were some physical chills, which happens to me like pretty much every time. Um, so I was I was in the theater. I was like, damn, they got the air conditioner pumping in here. Um, I got there about halfway through the trailers and I felt very deep existential disgust with everything that I saw on the screen. Um, so it wasn't like, it wasn't good set and setting as Terrence McKenna would say, you know, cause you walk in the theater had a, a few people in it, you know, um, it wasn't completely empty considering I saw it at 1 PM in El Paso, Texas on a. What day is it today? Is it Thursday? Yes, yeah, Thursday. It is Thursday. Now, is it safe to say that your disgust with the 
the trailers is was the first challenge you faced i think that i th- I, I would say that it definitely was luckily this theater didn't have any of those like let's all go to the lobby let's because i probably would have <laughs> lost it um but instead it just kind of like the big before the movie started there was um just this big uh just popcorn popping and for some reason ice just ice cubes tinkling on the screen and i found that to be uh sensorily very pleasant so i was in a good mood by the time the actual movie started what other positives can you take from this activity um well oh you are, are we into the actual movie at this point i didn't think it through <laughs> Well, I could say that uh, stuff just hits you a lot hard. Like when um, Natalie Portman's character, when when Oscar Isaac shows up at her door and she starts crying and hugs, like I started crying um, because you sort of like you. It's it's basically it's an empathy builder, you know. I mean, now oh oh, I I totally fucked this up. I should go back and say that I was not on what would be called like a heroic dose of mushrooms. I was. Uh, too scared to do that. So we're talking maybe a little bit more than a gram. It's sort of hard to tell because I have them spread out over several um, like Ziploc bags in my sock drawer. So oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. I need to know that. That means you're not contagious. I can take right. this thing. Can I, can I remove this thing? Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. So that yeah, oh, whew. yeah. That was that seemed better on paper. Yeah. No, no, no. That was fun. Practice. But uh, yeah, dude. Um, Let's can we talk about Natalie Portman's uh, job teaching for a second? Because I oh, have this, yeah, I yeah. a special affinity for scenes in movies where um, there's a, a portrayal of a classroom that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I've been kind of collecting them. I would say probably the absolute worst is a toss up between the mirror has two faces, where Barbara Streisand <laughs> is teaching this class, and it's it's essentially somebody's fantasy of what a class is like where you're a stand-up comedian and everybody's just rolling at every word you say, you know, mm-hmm. just total nonsense. And then the other one is, uh, the gambler, the remake with, uh, with, uh, fucking Marky Mark, um, remake of the James Conn movie. And he's teaching in this, what the other end of the coin is that challenging way where he's like fucking with the students to make them right, right. like, he's kind of putting them through the ringer. This one had an, uh, like a third quality that I see a lot, which is where and, – and you can see why they want to do it. They combine exposition with the classroom because here you have a chance to have a blackboard essentially yeah. where you can tell the audience what it's they the, need. To. It's the Jurassic Park method exactly. basically. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens with, with that that's so funny is it starts off with um, – there, isn't there a voiceover talking about cells, cell division? It was yes. She's talking. I think she's talking about it. Also, before before I lose this thread, uh, you talked about the mirror has two faces. How about this one? <laughs> the mirror has two assholes. Wouldn't that be good? That's like the porn version. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, I like that, but uh, but yeah, she's talking about the uh, uh, cells, and so it's, she's like, over the course of the coming year, we'll be analyzing uh, these cells in vitro and observing the activity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But first, the cell. The cell divides once. The cell divides twice. It's like apparently this medical school, they have no prerequisites there because they got got to teach them about cells. But they're teaching us about cells, of course. And they're not really teaching us about cells. What they're teaching us is that at some point that division, that exponential replication is dangerous. Um, But I just just love classroom scenes because it just makes – I think I want to have like this master list – of all possible uh, varieties of that genre. Of the, 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 the best one ever was in storytelling. Do you remember that one? Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Where <laughs> he's like, he's like he no longer had cerebral palsy. He was a cerebral person. And then there's a pause <laughs> and the teacher goes, your story is a giant piece of shit. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's just like oh and then he makes the guy cry yeah that was probably my favorite one can was, we can we do something here where you kind of you kind of do your dave thing where you're sort of analyzing it very intellectually but can i tell you how it how that scene felt tonally oh yeah 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 okay, that's so, why we, that's why we sent you in in this yeah, state yeah so what what i got right when the movie started um was just a deep sense of uh sadness 
Like I felt extremely. I think that's why uh, when it culminates in Oscar Isaac's character coming back, even like somehow, even though their relationship, which I think was really well developed over the course of the film, somehow, like I don't know if it's just because those actors are so fucking good, or Alex Gar- Garland just knows how to tonally set a movie. But I was not depressed. It's one of those things where it's sad because. Life is just life is sad, man. You know what I mean? It's one of it was one of those kind of existential ones. So I was I was hooked immediately. Well, um, I think they put. Is it safe to say they put you through the ringer with that with the unexpected music? There was that uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash song. I was not expecting that. Which one? Uh, uh, that acoustic guitar music that sets it oh, up. I mean that that had yeah. been a very very uh, 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 I don't know sensitive state. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it did a lot of a lot of that work. I was expecting booming synthesizers, right? You know, I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I was expecting it to be more, more tonally like, and I don't know why I thought this because Ex Machina wasn't like this at all. But I, I was thinking it was going to be more sunshine. That now there was a sunshine parallel at the end, but we we can get to that at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the music that tonal shift you're talking about is, I think, is really effective. I, I mean, I've been a sucker for that ever since. Um, you know, I. I think the, probably the first time I recognized it was American Werewolf in London, where it ends with that very sad ending and uh, him getting killed and, you know, her like almost causing his death on purpose or whatever. And then it, cut, it cuts to her crying credits. And then it's like, boom, 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 dang, dang, dang. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait a minute. How yeah. am I supposed to? I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Well, and then, I think that the thing that tends to happen with, with tonal shifts like that, uh, on at least on psychedelics, because I also, uh, about a, a few days ago, I watched um, uh, Takashi Miike's City of Lost Souls, which was just a complete tonal nightmare. What ends uh-huh. up happening is you kind of set up um, the it, it almost it feels like different stories that somehow connect but that are all different you know so as soon as a tone shifts like that you've your brain has sort of automatically constructed a completely new it, oh, it, it's it's retconned the whole thing and you're watching a different movie at that point interesting um, yeah I'd, I'd probably give tarantino a little credit for that for doing it and and Reservoir Dogs with the the lime and the coconut after the shootout and all the to have the soundtrack of those 70 songs. And even though they, you know, they kind of break the wall by talking about here's our weird soundtrack that we're doing. We're going to talk about it as it's happening. It still had this effect of I didn't know how I was supposed to feel, mm-hmm. um, which made me much more like on edge, yeah, like having. Yeah. And so by oh, ha- opening is- with that. There Go is ahead. a feeling of dread too that creeps oh, the dread. in very I, dude, quickly. I want to talk about that dread at length, mm-hmm. um, but we could do it now. Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so basically, I mean, after after that, it's mostly exposition, which I thought was pulled off just so fucking well. Um, everything happens really quickly, but I don't know. Was it just me, or was the pacing on this thing fucking perfect? Like nothing seems to happen too fast. But you never well, you never get bored either. So I don't want to I don't want the whole thing to be a love fest because I enjoyed the movie too. So I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit Do with it. some of the some of the criticisms I heard from people that I was with, and um, I want to see what you thought of. Uh, you talked about the pacing being perfect. Um, I found that I was I don't know if I was frustrated or I was frustrated listening to the kind of palpable sigh around me when it happened. Every time they cut to the hazmat guy debriefing her. The kind of the air went out of the room. Like people were were like, "Let's get back to the fucking movie. Why do we, why do we need her it, to see it through this lens of of after the fact?" And I want to know what you thought of that. Um, I think that that's fair. I think that um, you know, it might just be that you, the idea was to maybe. To, it felt to me like a breather whenever that happened. So it felt like when you're in the shimmer, which is the <laughs> Well, if you're listening to this, I sincerely hope you've seen it. When you're in the shimmer, it feels like your head's being dunked underwater. And when she came back out, it felt to me like you could breathe a little bit because it was a visual representation of her being safe. Well, her, quote unquote. But you know what I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. The the one criticism I think I can dismiss pretty easily is somebody was saying, well, you know that she lives. And obviously that's a little complicated when – 
you know, depending on which way you interpret that ending, whether that was even her that came out or not. So it doesn't spoil anything as far as who, as far as what happens to her. I'm convinced she's dead, but I'll, we'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that criticism I can kind of put aside, but the idea of like, um, there's a, there's a couple things that the guy in the hazmat suits revealed that I kind of wanted to see. Okay. I can't remember what it was, but uh, the idea that there were some things that were revealed by that by that guy during the interview that I would have liked to have seen. Can I tell you though, my attempt to make a joke that fell flattered and shit? Oh hell yeah, dude! <laughs> so I I got kind of excited because um, uh, there were no incidents. Actually, the only technically the only theater gremlin incident that we're gonna when we get to that segment involved me being the gremlin. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I was excited that it was all going so smooth that this movie going to see a movie was going so smoothly. So I was in a good mood enough enough to make a joke during the movie. And they cut to. Uh, do you remember the moment when it goes on screen? It says the shimmer. You just reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it says the shimmer, and then it cuts to Natalie Portman on top of that dude grinding away. Mm -hmm. So I say I said to to my wife, I'm like, more like the shimmy. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was fucking, fucking crickets, tumbleweeds. I think the characters looked back at us through yeah. the screen. It was, it was, I felt so, so much shame, right. so much shame. But right. it, anyway, keep going. But uh, yeah, no. So I think that. Um, well, where even were we? So they actually get into this big, uh, essentially, bubble. Right, and I loved. I was loving the colors at this point too. The gr <laughs> the greens in this movie are insane, and I love a good green. If there's something that you should know about JDO, I love a good process shot, which we can get to. How uh, this film, in my opinion, has the best climactic process shot of all time, and I love a good green. <laughs> and this movie had both of those things. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good green. I I got a little sick of green i have to admit with the a lot of these cgi fests like the planet of the apes movies mm -hmm. they're basically these toronto tax shelter movies they find some cheap woods to film somewhere and it feels like a lot of movies end up in the woods because it's fucking cheap yeah and and uh you know this is obviously inherent to the plot and the, these woods are certainly not normal right i mean mm -hmm. your your mushrooms um are, are pretty uh, it's a pretty um great theme here because it was full of psychedelic mushrooms weren't there mushrooms coming off the fucking trees yeah, it was like, yeah. there was like yeah you, you had fungus yeah yeah so that that worked out for you right no no totally i was like hello blessed cousins how doth thou uh grow but no i was uh <laughs> no yeah at this at this point so at this point you know i'm probably about probably about four hours in you know uh and <laughs> Four hours is when you've kind of adjusted, and I'm really glad I did it this way, and I'm glad that I went to the gym and got my blood pumping and got everything kind of like cycled through, and I was really ready to just like live, because you, you have to prepare yourself to sort of live in the world of the shroom, you know? Uh -huh. um, and so by the time like halfway, like once they get in there, I am just like... I'm actually kind of cool with this world. I would have been like that plant girl who just decided to become a plant. I'm like, this is actually pretty cool, but it's it's still got that menace, you know? And I love that the that the bad guys I'm kinda hopping around, I'm sorry, but the the bad guys are all uh essentially mutated animals, right? Yeah, the um I had to for a moment actually like step out. Um and I had to step out after the, the bear scene, right? Because it's to me this whole thing is just a big empathy increaser. You know what I mean? Like so you know, you, you stepped out at, at arguably the the best scene when it's making the trippy woman's voice shit happen. No, 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 no. I walked out after. Okay, because okay. yeah. So what happened was, uh, first of all, uh, the lady from Jane the Virgin is freaking out, and she's you know she's like, "Are you lying to me?" And since your empathy is increased when, when you're watching genuinely well done crazy people. Um, it just, it freaked, it was freaking me out. I was like, the, this chick is, is off, off her rocker and I do not care for it. Well, um, what did you think of, did you think that that was overdone? There was, I did, I did, our, I did. I do, I do actually more now, now I'm like, now I'm, I'm based, I'm like, I'm sitting here drinking a beer. I'm mostly, okay. I like, I could see how that was, 
that didn't exactly fit, you know. But again, you're kind of just you're kind of in the moment. So like if yeah. the, if, if the movie had imagine if the movie had just started with that scene, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, I'm all right. We'll see what happens. That's kind of where you are, you know, for every scene that happens in a movie. Every scene is the first right. scene. So, so we don't we're not getting her full immersion, and and she had time to go crazy. We just didn't see it happen, is what you're saying? Right, right, right. And so and then the bear comes in, and the bear with the woman's voice. I was like, "Fuck this shit!" Like that—that was—that was a bridge too far for me. Like when it's walking around between them and stuff. Like so, all I did was I just went—I just went to go pee, you know, and I like kind of washed my hands, and I think I looked at my hands for a really long time, and then I was like, "Okay, cool, I'm back. I'm ready to soldier back in." And I got back in. What ha- what was after that? Oh, they were they were uh, covering up the lady with the sheet. Yeah, there were two less characters when you came back. Yeah, you're basically you're basically like that cutscene in the in the Planet Terror where right. there's a there's a real missing and you come back and right. well my my gripe with the with those sort of the people that goes bonkers like I know we need them you know because what are we gonna do just have people just suffering in silence like and and feeling slightly bad but not not have a clear and present danger you know what I mean mm-hmm. so you need somebody to to amp it up and um. I don't know. I just because we saw the ritual recently, and that had the same thing where a guy flips out so fucking fast. He's it's it's like they they've been on the trail for you know a whole hour and he's losing his shit. Mm-hmm. And so when when I was watching this movie and she starts to lose it, and it wasn't just the fact that she was losing it, but she was in denial about things, and that mm-hmm. that's what drives me nuts. Like you've been camped out for I assume for months, looking at this alien rainbow. But now you're but now you're a skeptic. Now you suddenly are saying uh, when they say that I saw his insides moving. She's like, nope, you didn't see that. It's like, that's the that you don't believe you've been looking at this fucking alien rainbow for well, half a year. That you actually so, you actually just brought up the, the other scene that really uh, got to me because it was like it had this music that was like chanting, like almost Gre- not Gregorian, but like. It was just like male voices chanting while Oscar Isaac cut this dude's stomach open and his right. inside started to move. And uh, I was like, the music got me the most out of that, I think. Like, I was like, right. this 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 music feels um, pretty fucking intense. And then, yeah, and then when she says, like, nope, it wasn't that, I'm like, oh, come on. But then right. I started thinking about, like, when you are on Mushrooms and, you know, you, you, you feel certain ways and you, you feel certain things – and you try to tell people about them, and they're like, "No, you didn't feel that. It's just your body chemistry changed." And you're like, "No, stuff really happened." So that was the little rabbit hole I went down. That's the that's the two things about watching these things on shrooms is every scene is the first scene, and every thought you have is a rabbit hole into several other thoughts. So, so you're like my you're like my cat. Every day is her first day on Earth. Right. What's funny is I can't wait to watch this again and realize that. Wait, there's no music during that scene, and all these things that you're reporting. Cause oh, I don't Jesus. remember. I don't remember the music, and I'm gonna, I'm I, gonna be like, I'm dude, pretty there, there, sure. <laughs> there's no music. <laughs> His stomach open. You're like this Gregorian chant, and like the way the stereo was playing with the the sound went one way and went the other. And they bring in the pan flutes, and like, what a weird musical choice. None, none of that's gonna be in the movie. <laughs> That would be no, awesome if that was true, but I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm right. I'm pretty sure that I'm right, but okay. To, to, to give the girl some credit for her, her breakdown, like I'm not in that situation of dealing with people's insides moving, first of all. But also uh, something interesting happened when um, my wife Amy and her friend and her sister went camping. Um, after we saw the movie, I, I had told her about that moment, and I said, why do people flip out and they're so skeptical after – they've been introduced to the phenomenon. Why are they now – skeptical do, do they do pe- people feel like they have to put those beats in there you know and amy was like well we went camping the other week as you remember and it was on day three where they were they hadn't been on their phones and they hadn't because there's no reception and they hadn't communicated with anybody but each other so they get up they make their cheese sandwiches and they start uh looking around and um talking to each other and they realize that they're just in a shit mood that they yeah. That they're like on the edge of arguing about small, unimportant things. And so she was like, let me just put in one vote for the possibility that you would be pretty uh, on edge and paranoid without the alien rainbow, without the mutant animals. 
that uh, that baby people do lose their shit on a trail that quickly. Um, I would never do it, not l- lose my shit. I mean, I would never go on a fucking trail and walk around, so I'll never know. <laughs> I will also, never their, their, their DNA is being manipulated too, you know? That's, so that's, Sure. I mean, uh, but, you know, that's I wouldn't want that to be the excuse why, um, why there's any kind of uh, – issues with characterization because the character's DNA is being manipulated. Yeah. That's because I'm going to use that loophole later. If that's a possibility, I'm just going to say, well, you know, DNA was being manipulated. Yeah, that's why my yeah. story makes no sense. Well, but no, well, I, did I hear that, what you're did saying. That, did that really make sense to you? Cause, and I didn't know if this was just me, but I didn't really get it, but I just rolled with it. Like I didn't get the refraction thing. Yeah. The, um, see now I haven't, I haven't read the book. I, uh, I purposely, didn't waited to read it because I knew I, I just knew that I was in good hands with the movie. I like I like Garland. I like everything he's done with Danny Boyle. So it would have been their first big fuck up, right? Mm-hmm. So I I knew I was in good hands. And if when that's the case, I I, I the reverse is always riskier. I think because if if I like the book more than the movie, then I've wasted my time watching the movie. But if I like the movie and then I read the book and I'm like, oh, the book is really good then I've done two things that weren't a waste of my time. I've moved, I've leveled up. Right. Yeah. So, um, as far as those kinds of gaps, I feel like there's a possibility that he, he did some real, uh, paring down and took some broad strokes with, with whatever was going on there. Mm-hmm. Maybe that the fact that it's a prism and it's refracting themselves back or whatever and making a mutate, is just you know the short answer is it's a way to say shit got weird yeah. in the in the rainbow right yeah and and if like you said if we roll with it if the shit getting weird is interesting enough and it's being done effectively I don't care if that makes any sense I don't mm-hmm. care if you know what I mean right and I and I think it squeaks by with that I think that um, it now there might be some other hiccups that as far as um, maybe these things are explained in the book like when they first walked into the shimmer. You know, they had an issue where people had gone in and never come out, right? People mm-hmm. people are missing. People, they've been sending teams in for a while. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as they walked in, I immediately uh, said to Amy, turn around. Turn around and come right back out. Like, then you'll answer that question. Mm-hmm. Does the crossing that border, does that mean that that means uh, you can't turn around? Why would you not test it? And then it feels like right around when somebody, it would occur to everybody that why didn't they do that? The sp- the, the movie then answers that question and it says, hey, do you guys remember anything after stepping past that border? And they say, no, we've been in here for days and we don't remember even crossing that border. Mm. So it's like it answers the questions after they occur to me, so, which leads me to believe there's stuff missing. Yeah. There's stuff that there's 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 been some sort of um, summary going on for the sake of that pace that you liked so much. Or like the time when do you remember when he says when she says, um, she doesn't immediately tell them that that's her husband. Mm-hmm. That's and uh, when that happened, I immediately thought, "Why are you doing that? Are you just is this just a, a game so that they don't trust you later? Mm-hmm. Is this just a way to make sure it complicates things later yeah, so that yeah. there'll be there'll be tension? Which of course there's tension later when they're like, "Why didn't you fucking tell us?" But then a character later says, "Why did you not do that? Why did you not tell them about it?" And she comes up with a reason. And it was just like that moment with crossing the border and coming back where I thought, I'm missing some information here. Well, what about and, the – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I'm, I'm missing it to where either somebody somebody summed it up in a way that that was necessary. And so I'm getting these moments where, where questions are answered to, to patch up those holes as they occur to the audience. Does that make any sense? I don't know if that it makes does. sense. It does. And, you know, the, the one thing that I, I legitimately thought of in the theater was I thought back to Stranger Things. And how they sent that one dude in the hazmat suit into the upside down with a, with like a really thick cable, and then uh-huh. were, they were able to. And so I thought about the that, and I was kind of your idea of turning around. But my thought process is like, I understand that you don't want to risk uh, that many lives, but considering it's the government, I don't really think that they would care. So, and I realized yeah. there would be no movie if this happened, but my I couldn't help but think when they were going in. Like, what if they sent in a team of, you know, 50 people all just armed to the fucking teeth, all attached to cables, and then they're like, all right, in 24 hours, we're retracting the cables, and we're going to see what happens. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know? Kind of like, 
Yeah, like in John Carpenter's Vampires when they they hit, hook those winches onto onto them, just yank them out into the sunlight, or right. or like even or even Poltergeist where they treated a very supernatural event with some very practical considerations, like let's tie a rope to their waist, let's throw a tennis ball in, but put a number on it so we'll know which tennis ball comes out the other hole. Right. So those are the things, but but yeah, like like you're saying though. Um, do you want that movie? Do I want a movie where they no, cross over the no. board and then they turn around and they walk back and they're like, ta-da, yeah. and then they then they got to go on with the movie. But those are the kinds of things where it felt like if you answer the question and draw attention to it, it leads me to believe that there's something in the middle there that I didn't get, mm-hmm. whether it's in the book or it's in the three-hour version of it. But you bring up something I wanted to ask you about. Like There was, I, there was some sort of criticism that I read somewhere where it was right at the beginning of the, that fucking horror <clears throat> That backlash about why has it got to be women? Why has it got to be an all women team? And it seemed to me that an all women team made a lot of sense when they didn't they explain that all the teams made of heavily armed guys like you described keep getting killed or keep vanishing. Yeah. So so they're like, let's try something different. Yeah. Now, well, I mean, now, it, it felt. I, I honestly, I didn't even think about it, and I liked, I like that about the movie too because I I do like uh, seeing you know, just all women on, uh, on, on the screen, but I don't right. like, I don't necessarily like it being, they didn't make it the fucking selling point of the movie. I don't think. And no, I, they, they I, did. I, I, I like that. It makes me feel less gross about enjoying that aspect sure. of it. Cause I'm not being told I have to, you know, right, but, I, but I think your, I think your point is very valid that, yeah, they're saying like, Hey, every time we send dudes in here, they end up, you know, just disappearing. So, and it seems like they kind of want to have their, their cake and eat it too there because they, even though they they mentioned we're going to try something a little different, we're losing these troops, so let's send it. It's not that they're doing like this holistic uh, expedition. Like let's get a woman's touch. It's right. not it's not that ridiculous, but it still suggests that they're going a different way. That women might bring something different to the situation. The same way people are saying let's get a woman president, she might bring something different to the situation. Yeah. It might be it might be uh, a, a little less a little less rash, maybe a little less ag- aggressive. So the idea of, bring, of letting the women go in, that makes sense. But then it seems like they were making a point to say, uh, and I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about the, the people that the gross people you were talking about earlier that mm-hmm. make you feel like you're obligated to see a movie or they defend it in a weird way. They were saying like, they're just as badass. Look at Natalie Portman with her rifle shooting the shit out of that thing. Why can't they be badass? Mm-hmm. It's like, but that's not the point. I mean, right. if we're going to acknowledge you're sending in women because they're different, because there's a different, there's a, something different they can bring to the situation, then don't be afraid to say that they're different and that there's bringing something different. And to say, to try to map on some sort of Rambo shit and say, look at how badass they are. It's like, you're kind of, um, you're kind of missing the reason that yeah. even the movie says it happened, you know? Yeah, because I mean, literally none of them were really that badass. I mean, they were all they were all trained, you know. Sure, but they, they made it. They took a moment to give you. Sure, they all had their quick, you know, the the Saving Private Ryan backstory, where everyone gives a quick backstory. And we, do we do we need them? I guess maybe we we want to attach ourselves to the characters. But you notice that the backstories for these women were that they were all broken. They were all fucked up. Yeah, and that's that's what made it great. You know, there was. They were all going in there with a nothing to lose kind of situation, mm-hmm. and that's what makes that that's what makes me attached to them, and that's what makes that interesting. It wasn't just some guys going in there to kick ass, right? So it was like the anti aliens, and also I think that one of the most important things about uh, how why that works and why something like uh, you know Wonder Woman doesn't necessarily for me is it's it's like. I like doing nice things for my wife. Like I like getting her presents and buying her stuff and taking her places and shit like that. Well, I would give you such a noogie right now. I just get you in a little headlock and rub that head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, but I, I refuse to do that shit on Valentine's Day. Oh, you just fucking ruined it. I will. Now I I attack you. I I refuse to do it on Valentine's (laughs) Day. It's just part of my personality. As soon as somebody tells me that's what you have to do, 
I'm like, no, not doing it. Because it feels disingenuous. And I feel like when you go to movies like that where you're supposed to feel a certain way, it feels disingenuous to even feel that way. I know what you're saying, but good luck with that on like every birthday, every holiday. Oh, oh, Dave's not participating because they want him to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. How does that that go over in your house? uh, Not well. Not well. (laughs) I'm used to the conflict, though. (laughs) I'll see you on uh, February 15th. Yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm 100% aware that it's completely ridiculous. But um but anyway, but no, I, I hear what you're saying, dude. I, I just love the idea that they had these voids in their lives yeah. and, and they literally walked into this larger void, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like do what you can. You know, I'm that's very it's such a great sympathetic move, you know, the nothing to lose moment. Well, and it's like all the characters that go in there are specifically chosen because they have a death wish, which is interesting that they were chosen that way beforehand. Yeah, but I mean, uh, with Oscar Isaac's character getting cheated on and stuff, you know, he was basically going in there to commit suicide. Um, I, I, I don't know how that necessarily fits in logically, that everybody that they select to go in there is damaged. But I, like, <laughs> right. I liked right. it poetically, and I definitely didn't think about it at the time. I was like, oh, they're all sad, and they're in the sad place, and their sadness is manifesting, and they're turning into trees and getting eaten by bears. Can we talk about the uh, talk about the ending a little bit? Like, um, so do you think? Uh, I mean, they 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 swap places, right? The no, that's why you don't think so. No. See, I, then why? Because the, the 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 critter, you know, he touches or it touches the the torched husband so yeah. lovingly. I thought, well, that's that's her. That's mm-hmm. they've swapped, and now she's like, oh, well, fuck it. I'm, and that's why she burns the place to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's stuck there, and she at least has a chance to to change something. But you think she thinks she's it's still some sort of they swapped parts. There's yeah, a combi- yeah, Co- a combo. I'm I'm in I'm in camp combo. I think that <laughs> uh, I think that they're like if you think about the refracting DNA and all that kind of shit. I think that what ended up happening was they kind of became parts of each other in a way. Uh, um, and I do think that I think that's a hundred percent why it lit everything on fire. Because like you said, it was part her at that point. So shit, because uh, Oscar Isaac's character at the end, when she asks him if it's actually him, he says he doesn't know, you know? So he's not saying, Oh, I'm the evil alien mm. thing. He's kind of like, I'm not sure. Which yeah, I thought it, was really it, compelling. I thought that was a cool choice. I like the. I mean, I'll, oh, can you hear me? Yep, yep, I'm here. Uh, I like the fact that, like, um, I, I, I don't know if if, it, if they did just swap places. I know it's a little more pedantic that way, but I kind of like it because with the uh, oh shit, you know, looking back and she sees um, the creature in there, kind of closing the door, and you're thinking, why is that such a such a moment? You know, why are they sharing that look? And it's. I like the idea that it just it pulled a big switcheroo on her, like, ha ha, sucker. Mm-hmm. Now enjoy enjoy your lighthouse. Right. Um, and I like the fact that um, beginning there was that cool shot of uh, their hands on that water glass. Yeah. And but you know what? Now that I now that I think about it, at first I thought it was saying that they they didn't match yet. That he was mm-hmm. he had swapped, and now she was he was waiting for her to catch up. Um, but but now I'm thinking it was just a simple shot of they their hands were ref- refracting like the it was just showing their hands you know through the water not able to kind of constitute themselves and like right. the refracted image so maybe so maybe you're right there I um, I don't know I like it sometimes I like it simple and sometimes I like it intangible like the when the debriefer says there's a moment when you. You, you know that something indescribable is being shown to the audience. So you get this big light show. You get all this crazy shit. And then they cut to the debriefer and he's like, so it's an alien. And, which is kind of like, a, you know, mm-hmm. like that's that's how you sum that up. And she kind of says, well, it's something I couldn't describe. Well, if you couldn't describe it, then why were they then why did they have to show us, you know, the the sci-fi movie equivalent of the undescribable. Not that they could have a scene where they don't show anything, but you know what, but you know what I mean? There's always the trouble of how can it be as alien as possible without it resembling something we've seen in a movie before. Yeah. I don't know, man. It worked for me. I was like, this is, this is awesome. (laughs) Well, I do. I mean, I love the part where it's, 
the mirrorings going on and there's that moment of it's kind of a scary version of why are you hitting yourself why are you crushing yourself right because she's pushed every time she pushes harder back against it it's crushing her to the point of passing out that was pretty that was sweet yeah no i I I also i also like that the that the bad alien was like what if what if the gimp from Pulp Fiction was really scary? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what do you, so do you think it's an alien? I mean, are we dealing with a, is it a multidimensional event? Is it a religious event? Mm-hmm. Or is it just simply an extraterrestrial event? What do you think? Well, I think that uh, Vandermeer, he wrote this book called Finch, which dealt with uh, these kind of like mushroom, like sentient mushroom type beings. Um, so I think that he's really savvy about how alien intelligences really would work. And you have, um, God, the guy's name is escaping me right now, but there's a dude who talks a, a lot about mushrooms. Um, I think he was on like the Joe Rogan podcast, and he talked about how imagine an intelligence that you know is a mile long and all underground and all connected. And I think that this was a really good representation of what an, an actual alien intelligence would look at. Like, I love the fact that they... Content, like I think they said it more than once, where it's like, "What does it want?" And they're like, "I don't think it wants anything." Yeah. So yeah, I like that idea because the the idea of it, um, just, the word alien is all we're stuck with. But there is some sort of, like as my friend put it the other day, there's a, it's like a, it's a, it's not quite an invasion. It's like an, an infiltration or an occupation or. Well, I guess we need a, we need an A word, right? We got if it's going to fit with his theme. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's an accommodation. There's an alien accommodation happening. There's a happening happening. So this happening is like a benevolent destruction. It does. It's like we didn't mean to fuck you up, but we have a larger co- concern that you can't comprehend. So you just happen to be caught up in this thing. It's not. It's not a battle of any kind, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the. Um, have you seen the uh, the movie that uh, people are saying that this is similar to Stalker, that Tarkovsky movie? Wait, well, wait, Have you seen the, the, Stalker the... Or, or Mirror? No, I haven't seen him, no. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, there's uh, – those Tarkovsky movies, there's always some sort of doppelganger action going on. He did uh, Mirror and Solaris. Solaris is the one you probably saw the remake, the Soderbergh remake. Mm-hmm. So there's like with that too. There's this. There's a benevolent evil. There's an alien that doesn't know how to communicate. So it's like here's another you. Here's a, here's another you. Let's maybe is this what you want? And like your sanity is accidentally destroyed because it doesn't know how to communicate with you. Right. You know. So that, that's a, there's a similar thing happening here where it doesn't mean to fuck us up. It doesn't mean to turn us into plants. But it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't care either. You know. Yeah, well, I think that, yeah, and also the turning people into plants and pretty much everything that happens is just, it's sort of beyond a morality, you know? It's kind of, it, it definitely never does seem malevolent. It's just kind of changes stuff, which I thought was a really good representation of a, yeah, like what an alien intelligence would be like, kind of just in, completely indifferent. But I think that we get that indifference wrong um, in a lot of movies where indifference means that the alien wipes us out because in in annihilation they're not really trying to wipe us out they're trying to um i don't know just like ch- just change that was another line i think that was in the movie where they were like it's just it's just it wasn't trying to kill us it was just trying to change you know or or even not even trying to change us it was just it was changing us accidentally because yeah. it was it was this happening it was something that happened not something that there was a a battle going on mm-hmm. So the, the annihilation, actually, the word annihilation sounds a little too aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the annihilation. But then again, the, the definition of annihilation in this was, a, was something that the, all, all creatures crave or something. Was, were you following that whole thread? No, no I missed that. The, uh, in the movie, the, 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 the idea that everybody, everything is, craves destruction. That's why they went in there. Oh, right, right. You know? The, yeah. Isn't that what? Yeah. I think I'm losing you a little bit. Can you hear me right now? I can hear you perfectly. Yep. It's just a little little muffled. Did you go to somewhere else in your house? Nope. Nope. Same place. Same place. As long as you can. Okay. We'll keep it good. I was going to say that uh, the um, there's a book called Rogue Moon. Uh, 
Algus Burtis, 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 however you say that guy's name. Mm-hmm. It had a really good quote that I think is kind of indicative of what we're talking about. And uh, the, the plot of that book is that there's, a, there's this alien structure they find on the moon. And every time somebody goes into it, they die horribly. Mm-hmm. So, so they don't know what to do about it. And they, they keep sending team after team in there and they get a couple feet in and then they're, they're killed in a horrible fashion. So at some point, somebody figures out a way that you can clone someone and send them in and the, the other body can retain the memories after the person's killed horribly and you can do it indef- indefinitely. So the, the person makes it a, a couple more feet and then he's killed horribly and then he remembers it and then they make another one of him. And so there's one body retains all those memories of dying in all these horrible ways, mm-hmm. but they, but they keep getting further and further into the structure so that eventually he's, you know, he's 30 feet in and he's turned a corner and now they can map that out and to get safely around that corner. You have to like crouch down and you have to take three steps and then two to the side. And, and what's great is that they start to realize that this thing is killing people because it's indifferent to people. It's not like trying to stop. It's not a puzzle. It's just, it's just this thing that that is for another reason, and men are killed horribly for for no good reason, and they're investigating it for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a quote in it that talks about um, when they're trying to, you know, uh, come to terms with with this this thing they found, and somebody says, and this is I think this is similar to Annihilation, is that it's like the alien equivalent of a discarded tomato can. So there's a can on the ground, and does and a beetle crawls in one end of it and doesn't know how to get out and so does that mean like does the beetle understand that you know you have to climb straight back out to get out or you have to climb to the right or the left Mm -hmm. like would the would the beetle be an idiot to assume that someone had put that can there to torment it you know Mm -hmm. only the the beetle would be crazy to think that the can was manufactured just to mystify it Mm -hmm. and i think that that's the idea of the expedition is kind of meaningless. Like it's, it's there for a reason that they can't comprehend and they're going to be destroyed or annihilated for reasons they can't comprehend. And that's the, that's the most um, disturbing part of it is that it's in, it's indifferent to what it's doing to people's bodies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got real event horizon vibes at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with the with like the no eyes and and all that kind of. Also, I gotta say that I think that Jennifer Jason Lee is a great actress because there are some lines that she has to deliver in that movie that I don't think very many people could pull off. Yeah, well, at the end when she's got a, a light storm coming out of her mouth, <laughs> right right before that, those big big speech moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the kinds of things that I guess you have to say them. But I'd be content if they went into that into the shimmer and didn't say a word, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I like looking at it. Okay, cool. Yeah, no. And I think that, uh, I want to come back to the fact that the, uh, the, the climax has the best, um, frightening process shot ever. And I loved that, uh, Natalie Portman's character and the alien were slightly out of sync. Like they didn't really mirror each other. Uh, it, it felt like two different actors doing that, like doing that choreography, you know, which I'm sure it mm-hmm. was, but I feel like they could have made it so that, you know, she was directly mirrored by the creature and that would have, fe- have felt like weird. But this had a, even though the, the creature kind of looked shitty because it was CGI, um, I liked that it had this sort of organic, almost mirroring effect that was super creepy. So that the, so the process shot you were talking about earlier is like her working through trying to figure out what it's doing. Yeah, dude. Well, the whole, the, yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. the whole ending is a sequence of process shots. It's like her trying to figure out what the giant light blob is and then the thing coming out of it and then her trying to figure out what that is and then the fire. It's like three different process shots basically, which is completely different from what Hollywood movies normally do, which I was happy right. to see. I wonder what the, uh, it kind of goes against my thesis of this benevolent evil I was talking about. Like, why are there rib cages scattered like in a ritualistic fashion? Does that mean mm-hmm. that are we are we to assume that that the people that's what they did to each other? Maybe because I, I have a hard time thinking that the that this alien force or whatever did something so sadistic. It seems like that must be something that one of those teams did. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was either them or that those weren't actual 
human bones, that those are sort of like genetic replications Some, another, of those things. Yeah. Another, another growth. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. It was more like the mushrooms than anything else. I didn't think that those, I didn't make the connection that those were connected to people. I was like, Oh, it's, it's growing like that one guy with the bugs in his stomach or whatever the fuck it was. See, speaking of speaking of mushrooms, I'm, I'm jealous that you got this full body experience out of the out of the movie. Yeah. I like uh, it's kind of I'm, I'm kind of jealous of you for doing that. Yeah, well, I figure we could do it more in the future. I I was going to say that um, there is a point of diminishing returns with this stuff, and I think I kind of nailed it perfectly to where I had total recall, but I was also really intensely <laughs> invested. Um, right. cause I've also like taken heroic doses. The last one I, I tried to watch this movie, let, let me make you a martyr. I think it was called the one with Marilyn Manson. And, oh no. And, was uh, that, uh, was that a downer? Well, listen, man, it was one of those things. Remember how I said, like you have total empathy and every scene is the first scene of the movie. So I remember being extremely into it and extremely weirded out. Um, unfortunately I crossed the threshold on that one and I, I could not tell you what happened in that movie. I had this extremely intense thing and I woke up at my computer the next day and was like, what the fuck happened? So that was yeah. like my kind of toying around with it, but I think I've hit the perfect. Yeah. Dosage. You got the, you got the mushroom porridge. That's just right. I had, I did have some weird muscle spasms in my stomach today. So that's sort of like the guy who cuts his stomach open and, plays with his little gut snakes or yeah, whatever. I don't, yeah. I mean, that's as close as I can get to it. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have the experience you had, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, and who knows how much of that actually colors what I thought of it, but I would, I would say thinking back on it now, I'm mostly, okay. I'm getting goosebumps every once in a while, but I'm mostly back to earth. Um, I would say it was really, I would say it was actually very good. So you would say, okay. So you, you, if we're going to try to do our branding, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's already past almost good. You're thinking, I'm thinking, is it almost great? And you're saying, you're saying what? I'm saying, I'm saying almost great too. Yeah. Almost I, great. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think it's almost great. One, one thing that I uh, would like to, to point out that I, I'm so grateful that they did was they actually tied it up at the end. They didn't leave any kind of doors open because nobody would want to see whatever movie came next, you know? So I was just really, really uh, happy, and I, you know, I hope that this guy gets more movies made, etc. But I was also extremely happy as a as a movie goer that it felt like it closed, like it, it was right. it was over. So sweet. Well, I think we can put a put a bow on that one. Do we have any you, uh, uh, script doctoring here? Well, we'd um, I'd gone to see Winchester. Did you see uh, Did you see Winchester? No, no, no. But uh, I, I get the idea. It's the It's the weird house and it's haunted. <laughs> well, something horrible happened going to see that. There's a there was a trailer where they had a there's like a thank you trailer from the directors thanking people for coming to their movie. Gross. Have you seen these? I mean, I, I thought trailers before trailers were horrible. Those. You know how there's a little five seconds of the action moments in the trailer you're about to see? Mm -hmm. But this is terrible because what they did was they showed us a big making of special effects moment in the movie we're about to see. Gross. Are you following me? So we're getting ready to see Winchester and they show a big special effects moment where Helen Murren is um, thrown up against the wall in this big shootout Mm -hmm. in the museum with all the guns. You know, that's the climax of the movie. They show it to us mere moments before the opening credits of the movie. Who, how many people did who that have to? It? Who, how many people did that have to get through? Who all said, that, "Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exactly what well, people want to see." It just leads me to believe that they've they're at a point where movies must be in trouble. Hmm. So this is a way to set to. And it must be they're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, right? Right. They uh, and there's that's the only explanation for showing a quick special effects making of moment before you see the movie and just to say, please don't go anywhere. I don't here's, know. I don't here's, here's how I knew movies were in trouble. It was actually while I was at annihilation. Uh, so I sit down in my seat and the, the trailers are going on. I position my, Oh, wait a minute. Is this a, is this a, is this a movie gremlins moment? Are we, it, are we talking movie gremlins? It is. It is not a movie gremlins moment. No, not, not quite, not quite. Um, so I sit in my seat and I realize I accidentally hit a button and my seat starts to move. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? I've, I've really screwed the pooch on this one. And then I realized that, no, it's just a button there that actually lets my seat recline. 
And I was thinking about it. And it's like when I was a kid, since movies, you had to go see movies at the movie theater, you know? So movie theaters were like fold out chairs and fucking sticky floors and overpriced bullshit. And theaters were like, yeah, well, you're, you're going to have to deal with it because there's nowhere else to do this. And now it's like walking into a fucking spa. They're like, welcome to your local theater. Would you like a, you know, <laughs> a martini, perhaps a, a cucumber peel, you know, like whatever. And I was, when that, when that happened, I was like, damn, they are fucking in trouble. If they're investing in good seats, there's a problem. <laughs> well, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you might've been the gremlin, uh, in that situation. It's possible. Like it, it would, would it be, would it be out of line to have the, the music going right about now the gremlins music <laughs> yeah no, yeah no and you know and there were a few talkers there were a few talkers in there uh nothing too egregious but what i realized was that people cannot handle silence um and they can't handle they can't handle tension or like just you know contemplative silence yeah. whenever it got quiet there was a couple behind me who you know nothing too obnoxious but they would just start talking about that like what do you think is going on in her mind you know or what do you what do you think's what do you think's gonna happen? And it's like it's quiet for a reason, you know. And I, I maybe yeah. maybe they were talking and the sound was going and I just couldn't hear them. But I think I think that people have a real problem dealing with dramatic pauses. No, and that's a movie full of full of like uh, contemplative moments. So that mm-hmm. probably drove those people insane. Yeah, but a similar a similar moment as far as a, a gremlin's experience. I. This was totally me as the gremlin. I we we get into the theater and uh, like I said, it was all going very very smooth. Everything was just going too smoothly, and uh, we it's a reserved seats. So we're walking around the back, and I see the two seats that we're going to be getting. We just have to come around and then go down the other side. Mm-hmm. And when I get to my my seats um, to sit down, there's a box of popcorn sitting in the seat, and there's a guy to the to the right of it. And I give him this look like, you going to move your popcorn, buddy? That's my seat. And he gives me a look like, he gives me this look like, what are you, why are you looking at me? And I, <laughs> I start to give him this, you know, like, are you, move the shit. What's going on here? And I start to immediately get this rage. And then by this time, Amy comes up to tell me that that is her popcorn. And that she, had, as we were coming around the back, she put it down to mark our seat. <laughs> and it was just very reasonably coming to move the popcorn. And uh, my popcorn confusion was just—I mean, I'm, I was totally on the other end of the of the gremlin situation because that guy is probably like, "Dude, are you that stupid? That's your popcorn, and you're staring at me, waiting for me to move it. Like, what? It, what kind of showdown is that?" Dude, and then you, I have to you should have fucking choked him to death. <laughs> I'd have to sit with him for an hour and a half like an asshole, you know. Dude, that so. that embarrassment has to die with with him. You know, you just have to. I know. I know. <laughs> you just have to put him out, you know. No, I, I, I totally, yeah. It was pretty badass in my theater because it was mostly empty, and I had my lean back seat, and I was vibing. So, I, yeah, I didn't really have any gremlins this time, but I mean, I just, it, and they were sweet too. I think there was a mother and a daughter in there, and there was somebody on a date. Nobody was, you know, acting too much of a fool. But I just, I just realized because I, I'm, that's just the way that I am. It's like people cannot. I don't know if they don't. I don't know if they don't understand how loud they are, or I. I don't. I don't know. Like, because a whisper is like this, but they're they're like, I wonder what's going to happen. That's 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 (laughs) different. Yeah. So, did you watch any other movies? Is that uh, we're just going to have the? You didn't see Winchester, so. um, Did you see? Did you watch Disaster Artist? No, but you know what? The more and more I think about it, fuck that movie. I'm not going to watch that shit. See, I didn't have the, the positive reaction to that that everybody had. It's it's essentially 90% of that movie is Seth Rogen saying all the things everyone has thought to ask over the years about the movie The Room. Mm-hmm. So you so Seth Rogen is this is the mouthpiece for all the funny things you've already read about The Room. Right. He, like saying things like does he know where her belly button is? Why is he trying to fuck so high? Right. That I mean all these things we've already heard that you just get to hear him again and that's a problem, but then um, also, the one thing did happen, something kind of curious. The the character that plays Mark, his buddy, mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but I really started to not trust Mark. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, the movie is set up as if 
Franco's brother plays the Mark character is, is this wide eyed innocent who, uh, who just, you know, finds this strange man who takes him on this adventure. But in the real world, I'm pretty sure that the real Mark is this piece of shit who attached himself to some rich guy and rode that train as long as he could, which means, you know, being in that movie, him funding it, living with him. He, he's his roommate. Um, he pretty much just writes a ticket for this guy's life. Right. And I feel like that's the truth of it that lies at the bottom of this movie is that the real Mark is a piece of shit who took advantage of um, Tommy Wiseau. Well, there's and the, the book gets into that a lot more. The book, I think, is a lot it. more complex than that. Yeah. So that's what I, I just got the feeling that at the bottom of that movie, I the same way that he, he's portrayed as paranoid, the Tommy Wiseau character is paranoid and not trusting Mark. You're, I, I believed him because at that point I'm thinking, I'm not getting the full story. We're getting the Hollywood version of this, you know, the good looking actor is taking advantage of him. Well, that's, and, well, that's uh, like, that's what, uh, that's what the book does. And I, I think that I've heard this, I haven't seen the movie, but the movie also kind of whitewashes Tommy Wiseau. And in the book, I think everybody's portrayed with maybe probably more nuance than they are in the movie. But Tommy Wiseau is a creepy asshole character. Like he is a dark, dark human being. Nobody knows where his money came from. He's just this rich. He, did you know that he's literally in his sixties right now? Like he's, he's, he's an old fucking. <laughs> he looks like it. Yeah. And he's just this guy. Like, like nobody knows where his money came from. He's, he's misogynistic. He's mean. He's, you know, and I, I, I heard from people that they turned him into this kind of goofy, lovable character. And I was like, that was, not what the disaster artist was about, you know, but they probably had to get it made like with his, you know, right with his, his go ahead. I feel like, yeah, some of that stuff is kind of there. I got, I sort of got the vibe for that. So I guess if you're into deciphering the truth underneath kind of shitty movies, then the disaster artist is fun. But also, I don't know. I don't, man, just fuck James Franco. Fuck all. Like I just, there's nothing about that movie that makes me think that I should spend an hour and a half watching it. I mean, I guess he he does act just like that guy, but does that does that add anything to it? Does that bring anything to the conversation? You know, it's a it's a dead on interpretation of of the guy in the room. Yeah. Um, so I guess good job doing that. I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, acting is is super overrated. <laughs> it's like, oh, you did a good impression. Yeah. Wow, good for you. Yeah. But um, on that note, well, I think we're at an hour, well, hey, man. And we're at an hour. Well, all right. You want one real quick script, Doctor, so that we keep consistent? Yes. Um, now, I, yeah, I don't know if you, see, you haven't seen the Winchester movie, but I, I can break it down with the thing that it needs to do. I'll do it very quickly. Boom, go. Essentially, the Winchester house, um, have you ever been to it here in San Jose? No. It's a house that's uh, it's like a fake ghost story surrounds it, but it's per, it's permanently was under construction, right? It was some a house that was never finished. And it has these stairways to nowhere and and all these mysterious happenings and it's mostly about the the construction of it is that it's this this house that was constantly being built um probably to keep people employed during the depression but um the movie suggests that it's she's under the influence it's of to, ghosts right well i thought it was like to confuse ghosts or something it's like, right it's to confuse the victims of the the victims of the people shot with winchester rifle oh, this is the, right okay is the is the bullshit story around it but there, what's weird about the movie is that the house, so it's always under construction, which gives you this weird vibe that you're watching, that you're not watching a movie, that you're that you're watching a movie where the sets are continuously being built or oh, that, wow. they have, that they haven't finished yet. And that, I feel like they could have played that up, that they could have made, that uh, there could have been something meta going on there, that, that you're watching an un, unfinished product in a couple ways. And... Uh, and also there's there's a weird moment at the end where um, the guy – because it takes place um, during the period – it's not taking place now. So the construction is still going on. And so there's the guy at the at the end – oh, oh. No, no, I'm here. I'm just, I'm just mute, muting you because of the dog. Oh, you got it. <laughs> so the, the, the guy, the hero at the end is standing in a greenhouse where there's still this ongoing construction going on. And these workmen begin to hammer these nails in to lock the door, which is what you do in the movie they've established when somebody, when there's a ghost that you need to trap in there. And 
what they could have done is they could have had him they could have had this guy standing in the greenhouse as these workmen start to hammer the nails and they could be like oh sorry about that because for a minute you think is he alive or is he dead and they never they never give you that mm. that twist mm-hmm. and that's some and i just don't know how that got past the script stage without him having that moment you know but even bigger than that here you have a house that's a it's literally a house of mazes right right no one in this movie no one in this movie at any point gets lost in that house interesting no, it's like, oh, yeah, you, you, take a, you take a right at the staircase that goes to nowhere, <laughs> and then you take the secret passageway. Yeah. Oh, it's easy. Yeah, simple. It, it never occurred to anyone to make the wondrous house of mazes have somebody get lost in it. Mm. it I, don't, I don't get it. Anyway, that's all I got for the script, Doctor, this time around. Well, that was great. Yeah, I think that our annihilation conversation got a little annihilated by bad network connections, but I'll splice it together. <laughs> The, the deep state does not want us to talk about that movie. Yeah, yeah. That or they're just monitoring me now because I've said mushrooms so many times on the internet. They're just like so listening. many times, so many times. Yeah, so many in the movie with mushrooms in it. I mean, we're we got a lot of mushrooms here. Yeah, it's uh, that's that'll probably be like the episode. Um, you know, logo will just be a psychedelic mushroom cap with like a, or maybe like an Alex Gray painting. <laughs> One of those like tool covers, you know. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm gonna put back on the uh, I'm gonna put back on the hazmat suit. Yeah. Uh, or hold on. And uh, how can you apply what you've learned from this activity to your life or the workplace? <laughs> the life or the workplace? Well, uh, I, I I don't I don't work. Um, but to life, I should have read. I should have read more about this website where I got these questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's better this way. I guess to my life, um, I guess I could just say, uh, hey, you know, don't cheat on my husband and then have him go into a big soap bubble where he lights himself on fire and then decide to go into that soap bubble and become one with an <laughs> alien fungus. That just seems like a good life lesson to me. You saw me standing alone. 